0: Turks and Caicos. Welcome to the program Expressions. I'm your host, Robert Hall. What a lovely Wednesday morning uh, the good Lord has blessed us with. There are many who are not waking up to see this morning, there are others who are waking up with their surroundings all shattered. with bombs and bullets. So much more we have to give God thanks for this land we call our own. I want to welcome you wherever you are. Those of you in Sol Key, few in numbers, but welcome. Of course, I've seen quite a few of them moving around as the ferry brought them over, and they're here to purchase their various goods to take back. And, of course, to visit with friends and relatives. Those of you here in the nation's capital, Grand Turk, welcome. Down in the Big South, where I saw you had a great opening day. One boat bringing in over 1,800 pounds of lobster. That's a lot of Lobster. All I would hope is that you men save some for rainy day. Don't let all that money go south of the border, or north of the border for that matter. Keep some. Take care of your children. Middle Cakers, few of you, but I know a couple men there who are able they're getting out in the north reef and elsewhere catching some of those huge lobsters. Others of you Welcome North Cakers. Well I saw you had a hell of a time yesterday in Q. You all know how to do it. <clears throat> welcome to Expressions. All of you over in Parrot Key or Pine Key Good morning to you. Down in Providenciales, will someone call in and tell me what the celebrations for Emancipation Day was like down there in Providenciales? Would someone in South Caicos represent the island and tell me what the celebrations were like there? Those of you in Salt Key, I'd love somebody to do the same. Did you have anything going on over there. I attended the one here in Grand Turk and had the privilege of emceeing it, the Anna. I'll speak to that a little bit, little later on. But with that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you that as relatively free men, we can celebrate Emancipation Day. The work is far from complete, in that there are many aspects, vestiges of slavery that remains with us. The greatest of them all is mental slavery. So help us that we may liberate ourselves, liberate our thinking, liberate our country. We pray for our leaders that you would endow them the wisdom that is necessary to lead this country on to higher heights. As my guest joins me, I pray that you would continue to bless him with good health. Bless this country. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Expressions, uh, the People's Program. We come to you every Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. And we have shifted our Monday program to 6.30, 6.30 to 8.30 benefit those of you who work and would want to be at home in the comfort of your house and listen to it. So far, I have not seen, should I say, much of a difference in participation, and so I will will let you know that if that experiment fails, then we will resort and return to the Monday 10 o'clock like we do on Wednesdays and Fridays. It's always a pleasure hosting this show, and I am forever grateful to the large numbers of you here in the Turks and Caicos Islands who listen, and the growing number internationally. Few may call in from abroad, but a number of them with texts. And so I know that they are in tune with what's going on here. And that indeed is part of the purpose of this show, particularly for members of the diaspora, that you can keep in touch with what's going on at home. And hopefully more and more you would become very active in the affairs of the country. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of having a good friend, the esteemed Professor Lee Ingham, as my guest. And we are having an unscripted conversation, as I always do with my guests, And so, Professor Lee Ingham, welcome to Expressions.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Brother Hall. Always good to be home and put a little icing on the cake to be on your show, to say hello to my fellow Turks and Caicos Islanders, and to engage in what I hope will be a fruitful conversation with you about issues concerning our country.
0: Yes, indeed. And I am... Really grateful that you consented to come on the show because it was a very, very short notice. But uh, a man of your caliber, uh, I don't think you need much notice, so to speak.
1: <laughs> um, you're
0: you're big enough my head,.) Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you're always prepared. Now, for the benefit of our young people in particular. may not be aware of whom you are, I would like us to start, as it were, from the very beginning, to tell us a little bit about your childhood, growing up here in the Turks and Caicos Islands before leaving for abroad, and then we will take it in incremental steps.
1: Okay, Brother Hall, uh Long way, I think. I think I remember most of those days. (laughs) Growing up in Turk's Island was really, really, uh, I should say, in Grand Turk, because before I left home, the only islands I visited were Salt Key and South Caicos. Those are the only two islands I visited before I left home. Uh, But growing up in Grand Turk was really, really a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I owe, I think, whatever, I guess, Things I have achieved, I owe to my uh, upbringing here in Turks and Caicos. And despite the fact that I, I think I've deviated quite a bit from many of the things that I, w- that were foundational to me, in some kind of way, w- what I, what we had here, I think, uh, growing up, was was just exceptional. And we we had a camaraderie, I think, uh, with people from everywhere on Grand Turk and then those people who came from the Cakers Islands, especially those who went to school with us. We we had a unity I think that was again exceptional. Um, from over back, I'm the eighth of nine children to Mehdi and Richie Ingram and uh people that I grew up with were people like uh Carl Bus and Kong boy, uh, uh, some of the uh, Glinton boys, the Ellis boys, right around there and over back, and then come downtown, at Jerome Francis, Preston Malcolm, Earl Malcolm, uh, these are folks who I guess I was close with, because these are the people that we went in the bush with, went fishing, played marbles with, and so forth. A lot about the girls uh you know the, the strange thing about <laughs> it was uh, i i wasn't i i wasn't thinking about girls so much uh we ran around in groups but there was no say personal girlfriend and so forth for me before i before i left home uh and and in high school we had a i guess a good a good a good class of people uh some of my best friend people that I hung out with were Larry Colbert, Stanford Lightburn, John Swan, who is now deceased, uh, Urban Leroy Saunders, who is also deceased. And some of the people who were in my class were C- Cynthia Simmons Astwood, uh, I, uh, Gladys Kennedy from Saul Key. Conrad Jennings from Salt Key, who is now in the Bahamas. Uh, Hubert James, who is now deceased. Uh, we 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 had we had a camaraderie that was, I think, unequaled. And we we did most most things together because we were in school together. We went to uh, Sunday school. We went to Wesley Guild. Uh, we went to Baptist Training Union, and. Many and then we had boys and girls, Boy Scouts and Girl Guides, and many of the people who were uh, teachers were also leaders in the Girl Guides and uh, and the Boy Scouts. People like uh, Mister. Eustace Brooks and Mister. John Robinson. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Uh, Father Lemuel Bean, also instrumental in the Boy Scouts. In fact, uh, those two people. So John Robinson and Lemuel Bean were the two people who were responsible for taking me on my first journey out of Turks and Caicos Island to Jamaica and then on to Trinidad to a Boy Scouts Jamboree, and I think that's where my eyes were really opened, so to speak. Could and imagine. Uh, being in Jamaica was, <laughs> we went in 1961, Jamaica was preparing for independence in 62, went back to Jamaica in 62 for independence as a Boy Scout and stayed in Jamaica for a pretty long time because the Cuban Missile Crisis was on then and the boats couldn't come back to uh, Turks and Caicos Islands. So you had to go to Jamaica by boat then? <laughs> Definitely. The we left on Friday and got there on Sunday. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was the usual, the usual journey. Now we can go to Jamaica in the morning and have lunch and come so, back in the afternoon. So, uh, <coughs> so and, and then I came back home in 63 and, wow. I went to the Bahamas in 63, and that's the last time I actually stayed in the Turks and Caicos Islands until until 2012. Wow. Tell us a little bit
0: about your educational pursuits. Um, You have achieved ever so much. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I I, I, I was fortunate in that uh, I didn't finish high school here because I came back from Jamaica, and most of my classmates like uh, Cynthia and Larry and all those folks, they had already graduated. And I, fe- I felt embarrassed I didn't want to go back to school. And uh, Charlie Best was a principal at the time, and he saw me walking in the street. so he said, you know, well, if you're not going to go back to school, you got to do something. So I uh, went to work, and then I went to the Bahamas, and I was fortunate. But after working in the Bahamas for a couple of years, I, I just knew that I, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to improve myself educationally. And at that time, I was seriously thinking of considering the ministry. And I decided to leave my job and still rather young man, I think I was 19, I the time, leave my job and go to Nassau and finish high school. And I did. And I got a scholarship from the Southern Baptist Association, and I went to college in uh, Tennessee. And that's where I did my first, uh, my undergraduate degree. And I finished there in 1971, uh, where I majored in history and English and religion. then I went on to Howard University, where I did a master's degree in religion and ethics. And then I went on to Vanderbilt University where I was studying for my uh, doctorate degree. And I left Vanderbilt because I got married, and then my wife became pregnant. I had to get a job, so I got a job at Central State University. And at Central State University, I then went to the University of Cincinnati, where I studied philosophy. And I stayed at Central State University for... I think, 31 years. Wow. And after that, and while at Central State, I was a professor, and then I also was an administrator for the last, mm, what, 2000, from 1997 until 2009 when I uh, retired. And then I retired and got an opportunity primarily through the efforts of uh, Dr. Mills, because he and I had communicated, I came home several times to talk with the folks here, because we had some students in Ohio, some they were sent to Wilberforce University, which was across the street from me, and I knew the president and the vice president, so I came home several times with them to talk about getting students to uh, scholarships to come to Wilberforce, and also to develop some kind of uh, articulation agreement with the community college. At that time, I think uh, Dr. Dr. Julia Williams was the president of the college. When we, Yeah, she was president of the college. And we spoke about trying to have some kind of articulation agreement. And in fact, several students uh, came to uh, Wilberforce University, and graduated from Wilberforce University. I can think about a few. I think about Devin Cox, I think, who is now with uh, Fortis, Uh, Miss Miss, uh, Brown, who is with Social Services, and in fact, Miss Brown was a student of mine in a logic class. I didn't know she was from Turks and Caicos Islands Mm -hmm. until one day uh, she stopped, and I, I was talking to her, and she said, "Well, you sound so." I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Well, I'm from Turks and Caicos." And said, Tiffany Thomas, Tiffany Thomas Brown, yeah. Yes. And she, we were <coughs> in a, we were in a logic class, and I always remember that because 9/11 happened while we were in logic class what? at Wilberforce University, and I always remember that. And then you had uh, Larissa Francis. Uh, there was this guy named Arthur. Gavin Arthur, uh, these are people that I knew, uh, Debbie Dickinson Astwood also came, and these are students that I knew who came to Wilberforce and had uh, some kind of relationship with two Daniel boys, my nephew Lovard Mystic, who didn't stay very long. But all all these people came to Wilberforce and I thought it was, it was something that was special and I don't know what happened to to that agreement, but it sort of fizzled out. So we we had a relationship with uh, the community college, and I think many of our students uh, benefited from that relationship with uh, Uberforce University. And in fact, (laughs) the strange thing about it was that uh, in 1995, I think, I had asked our president at Central State University, if he would uh, give some scholarship to Turks and Caicos students, and he did. Yes. He gave he gave out three scholarships, oh, and I good. was in communication Commenable. with uh, with the minister. But then what happened? Uh, he was fired <laughs> that that same year. The minister some, was fired. No, the, the president oh, of the president college, of college was fired. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that didn't materialize. I felt so oh, sorry about that. But yeah, yes. that's that, that's what happened. So that, that's been my, my uh, educational journey, and uh, as you know, I came back here in 2012 to work at the community college. And as I said, that was primarily because of uh, Dr. Mills. And he had come to Wilberforce several times and did a couple of lectures at uh, Wilberforce University. I think he did it mostly on Caribbean music and so forth, because there was a program was called the Klein program. That program was primarily for people who were working, had been in the the workplace for several years but didn't have a degree. And so the Klein program was established primarily for those people so that they could come back and get work experience uh, uh, credit and spend maybe one year, maybe no more than two years to complete their degrees because you know, as uh, people were in the workplace, you were then required to have degrees and so forth to move ahead in your jobs, and wh- it was a very, very uh, good experience because I worked in the client program as well. You mentioned uh, you're coming back home and being president at the
0: community college. Tell us a little bit about your experience there, and then share some of your views on the community college where we are at and where you see us going, and if possible, what will it take for us to get there?
1: Well, it was interesting. I, I came here, as I said, in 2012, and uh, the chair of the board was uh, Dr. Mills, and the other people on the board were, were uh, Bishop uh, Hamilton, Aust- Austria. Austra- Bishop Hound oh, okay. uh, was on the board, uh, Reese and uh, Glenn Clark, and I, I, there was some there were some other people, but those are the people who were president of the board, and I I thought we had a very good relationship, and we were making plans to try to do some things to move the college forward, and then the next year I think uh, because we had you, you see I came here. <laughs> during the interim, when there was no local government. And so, in 2013, the new government came into power, and uh, we had a board, and worked with that board for two years, and uh, Mrs. Jones was the P.S. of uh, Education, and I thought we had a good relationship uh, but when the board i came on a two year contract but when the board uh i guess reconsidered my my contract they gave me a one year contract so uh, I took the one year contract and then i i i left uh, and I must say to the credit of uh the the uh the premier who was then dr dr Ewing he 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 asked me if I would stay, but when he asked me I was already in the moving mode. And when I said when I say always in moving, everything had been packed. Yes. And so ready to go. But I, I think and keep in mind uh, this is my own view. Because when I came here I said to Miss Jones, Ms. Jones, what what are the plans for the government for the for the institution? And she said, Well, ingham that's that's what we want you to do and i I did uh, several proposals and I shared them with the board but to be honest with you i I, I don't know how boards are chosen here but I don't think the, the 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 board wasn't necessarily interested in moving the college forward i I, I don't think And I I think the college is, the institution has an opportunity to become a premier institution in the Caribbean, I believe. But there has to be some resources. Government has to provide some serious resources for the institution. The institution cannot continue to operate as though it were a high school. You have to encourage faculty to do research, to take initiatives, and to get our students involved in that research. I think I heard uh, either Derek Bean or Derek Taylor last night, former Premier Derek Taylor, say something about getting the students involved. I had uh, some ideas that I shared with uh, Dr. Fulford before I left and saying that these are some things that I thought that should happen. And one of the things that I think still needs to happen is getting our students involved in doing oral history projects. But I think our curriculum is limited. We need to expand our curriculum. And this thing about the community college being in Pravo and in Grand Turk, I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration because if you look at most institutions, I mean worldwide, there is a main campus. And that main campus is usually not necessarily in the big city as, say, as Pravo. The main campus is in a place like Grand Turp. But there has to be some housing made available for those people who come from other islands. It doesn't matter that you would go to a college and spend two years away from your home for a couple of years. I mean, when I was in, in high school, the students came from the Kegas Island, I think like Stanford like Stanford came from kangwa uh, Huber James came from Kew, and they came up here as very young kids and spend their time here until they graduated from, uh, from, from high school. So th- that's that's the beauty, I think, of, of education, is that you are able to meet other people, talk with other people, share ideas. And in that way, you develop some kind of uh, camaraderie, you develop some kind of appreciation for the ideas of peop- other people and hear what they have to say. Because if education is not going to help you to expand your, your views, your knowledge, and so forth, then I think it has failed. Not just go there to learn how to what, to be a teacher? You go there to learn other people's ideas. And I still think the college can do that, but there has to be some focus on it. You can't, you cannot just say, well, this is your, your, what they call it, your stipend, what they call it, I forgot there's a word that they call it, Mm -hmm. when you get your appropriations. And then, this is what you do, because that's what happened to me, and I understand that we were, we were on the austerity programs when when I was here. But everybody keeps saying now we have a lot of money. If we have a lot of money, then I think some money ought to be spent on education. And we can get, I think, some very good instructors to come here to this college because look 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 at the college where it is right now. That is one of the most beautiful sights in this island. And I know when I was here, I walked along the campus many times. And I can walk along and see the ocean. The breeze is blowing. That's one of the most beautiful sights in this country. And if you think about people coming here, you can attract folks to come here. And they don't have to come here permanently because many times you have uh, professors who are on sabbatical. Right. And they will come here for a year or two and help to get this thing started and get it pointed in the direction I think that it has to go. But we, we, we have to diversify our offerings, and we have to give faculty some kind of leeway so that they can explore and get the students to explore with them. That is where I think the crux of education is. Not just sitting home and reading textbooks, although that is very important, but it is helping those students to get some idea of the world around them and what these things are require of them. Because as the community college is right now, it's just a community college, so it just offers, uh, uh, what you call, associate degrees. I know we have articulation with some, uh, schools, the school in Jamaica where we do, uh, online courses or courses of that sort. Th- that is very good, but there's nothing like having that one-to-one or group discussion where you can talk about ideas we learned about talking about the future of this country this is where the people talk about things in that way and you 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 make relationships and then you begin to talk about those things and you say okay well rather than going to do law i'm going to do political science rather than doing political science i'm going to go and do something in economics I'm going to do something in government. I'm going to do something in policy making, and these are the things that I think that we need if we're going to move our country forward. And I know you said yesterday that at the Emancipation Program that there were some 77, I think, uh, scholarships oh, scholarships, yeah, scholarships that that have been offered. And I don't know how the government is offering those scholarships, but those scholarships shouldn't just be scholarships. They should be directed in areas that we think are going to help us to benefit our country. And, of course, in the same time, you're benefiting our students because you know, and I hear it mostly on your programs most of the time, people are complaining that we have foreigners uh, in positions where they shouldn't be. Well, if there are foreigners in those positions, then there's no reason why we shouldn't say, well, that person's going to come for a period of time. And in that time, we can send those students away. And those students are going to come back, and maybe during summer times or whatever it is, and they're going to be apprentices. They're going to get some experience. And they're going to come back. And what you try to make those folks that you hire, they understand that they are doing their job. But they are also here to create redundancy for themselves so that our people can come back home and assume those positions. That's the only way that we can move our country forward, and we won't have all of this hoopla about foreigners in positions where our people ought to be. But I think at the same time, too, there has to be some kind of mentoring program, because I've heard stories about people saying that, okay, I'm in this position. I might not have the academic qualifications, but I have the experience and those people are then forced to train folks with the degrees to take their positions. I, I think that that's, that's highly unfair. And if a person applies for a job and that person falls short, then I think it's incumbent on those people who are interviewing that person to say, look, this is where you lack. This is where I think you can be stronger. So go and prepare yourself to do these things. And the next time... I think you have a better chance of getting this position. Nothing is guaranteed, but if you help people to repair themselves. And I don't, I don't know what happened to evaluations, because when I was here, I know there was uh, a process of evaluation being put in place for civil servants. Yes. And if that is still in place, then you don't just evaluate somebody. If I'm your supervisor, then I should be able to tell you critically. We, I think are you are short, where you need to uh, s- step improve. up.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. Um, earlier on, you mentioned uh, the—you didn't go into detail, but uh, you sort of posed a question about the composition of some of these boards. And uh, I would agree with you. Ever so often, um, politics is a consideration. I'm not saying that it oughtn't to be partly so, but I believe that each board should have individuals who are competent to make worthwhile contributions in a given direction. And particularly like at the community college, uh, that level, there, are, there have been in the past some who merely sit there, collect their allowance, because they're just out of league.
1: And I'm not going to say that people are not qualified, and I understand politics, I think, to the extent that to the victor belongs the spoils, and you you have a right to make sure that the people who supported you get in positions. I I don't think you should just simply put somebody on a board simply to place them on a board. There has to be some interest or some kind of qualifications which they have that will help them to contribute to what is going on. You... I you know I honestly I think uh a board we had some good people on our board. People who were interested in the welfare of the institution. But for the most part, I think there was just people sitting on the board and didn't contribute much. Even in even in the board meetings there was not much contribution. As to when I'm saying, well, this is what we want, this is what we... Here's some proposals. Then then there was no follow-through on the proposals. Right. So I, I don't think that that benefits uh, the, ins- the institutions for which this board is supposed to operate. I couldn't agree with you
0: more. Um, I'm soon going to take a break, um, so my technical operator could stand by for that. Um, however, on the show, I have constantly... <coughs> been trying to reach out to members of the diaspora we have a number of brilliant minds abroad some in london some in the united states there may be few in canada a lot the bahamas and other caribbean islands there is the argument that's being put forward resisted in some circles that and the government has sought to invite as many members of, this, uh, of the diaspora to come back, as it were, and lend a hand in the building of this country. I want to know what your views are on that and whether you're one of those who also support the idea of widening the franchise by making provisions with certain criteria laid down. That members, uh, Turks and Caicos Islands who live abroad, would be able to vote like you have it in some countries.
1: Uh, uh, the 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 quick answer is yes. I am in support of that. Now, I notice that the premier has made several trips abroad to visit people in the in those countries, the uh, diaspora people, and I should tell you that. We have an organization in Florida, and you know about it because you announced our event uh, last June, but in 2021, our association in Florida invited the premier to come and speak to the diaspora in the Florida area, and he did, and we're waiting for him to come again and speak to us. But I know there, there are two organizations. I know there's our organization in Florida. And of course the Bahamas seem to be organized. And then there's uh, another group that is rather small right now, but it's uh, headed by Bentley Hamilton, and it's called the Turks and Caicos Diaspora. And we're now in the process, I think, of developing some criteria. And I think the whole idea is to be like a clearinghouse for diaspora associations like ours, uh, all around the world to come together, and I think uh, that organization, it would be something like the NAACP in uh, the United States. Right. We have chapters in different places. I think that's what we're trying to do with that organization, and hopefully that organization will make some inroads. But getting back to your specific questions, question: I believe that sincerely the government of the Turks and Caicos should reach out to uh, Turks and Caicos Islanders and as you said, there, there must be some criteria because I think there are more Turks Islanders abroad than there are in the Turks and Caicos Islanders, right, Islanders right now. And I think there ought to be some criteria as to how we say well you can come home and vote or you can vote by some other means but th- th- there doesn't seem to be much interest in that And I think that is one way that we can... You you mean interests as far as... Oh, here, here in Turks and and Caicos. Because I've had some people say to me directly, and uh, I guess one of your favorite listeners, uh, Mr. Jonathan uh, Gardner, he has stated unequivocally on your show that uh, we shouldn't be able to vote because we need to come home and catch hell like uh, people here do. I don't know exactly what he means, but I'm sure if he's listening, he'll probably will call in and, that, and remind me about that. And I, I've met him a couple of times, too, because I attended the, the Native Men's uh, service in Pravo a couple of times, and wow. I met him there. But I don't, I don't know if he remembers me. But I, I think there has to be some, some way that we can talk about this. And we, we are all Turks and Caicos Islanders. And there's no reason why we couldn't come together and talk about ways in which this can be beneficial to, uh, to our country. Well, I mean, I am a supporter
0: of uh, widening the franchise by involving heritage Turks and Caicos Islanders or members of the diaspora. Uh, rather than leave it to the British through British Overseas Territory Citizen, uh, persons who have no direct connections with these islands. Uh, no heritage connections, um, you know, be, be becoming citizens, and for that reason, I'm also pleased with the initiative government has taken to lessen the number that the governor that would qualify for the governors to give them. I don't know if you've been following the the, the proposed changes. Uh, we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, but, uh,
1: cause, please. Yeah, because because I, I have a question for you. I mean, what is a BOTC citizen? And what rights do they have in the Turks and Caicos Islands? That's what I'd like to know.
0: Generally speaking, I ask the questions, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, since you have asked it uh, for the benefit, your benefit and that of the public, this is one time I will answer. British overseas territory citizen, it is something that is strictly in the purview of the governor like I said to someone on Facebook the other day, the governor does not even have to consult with the elected government. He could merely inform them that I am granting 100-200. And you may know um, that process is done. Uh, if a person is at a PRC, you can apply for um, BOTC afterwards, or if he's have had um, 10 consecutive work permits, as the case might be. And uh, The rights of the British Overseas Territory citizen are as follows. They have the right to reside in these islands unhindered by immigration. Very, very important. They have the right to work in these Turks and Caicos Islands without work permits, as the case might be. And you would have noticed that under the previous with the previous governor in particular, even when stimulus was granted, it was not only granted to Turks and Caicos Islanders, but I have all reason to believe that he insisted that it had to be given to British Overseas Territory citizens. So the only things that the British Overseas Territory citizen cannot do or benefit from, as we Turks and Caicos Islanders do, are the following. One, he cannot vote as a British Overseas Territory citizen. Two, it simply means also he cannot contest a seat for the House of Assembly. And uh, three, they are not supposed to be the beneficiaries of crown land, particularly like residential property that is given to Turks and Caicos Islanders on certain terms. But once they are granted British Overseas Territory citizens, it's like you're stuck with them forever. And of course, the next step would be to apply for Turks and Caicos Islander status. That's it. So, in other words, you have existing NTCI, various layers, I don't want to say, and types of citizenship because they're not quite all citizens. But you have to start with the work permit holder, whose work permit now, like the laboring class, may be renewed for three years, uh, uh, three times rather. Then after the third, they'll have to leave for three months. That's a very, very important proposed change because once that's done, it means that consecutive 10 work permits will not happen again. And it means fewer individuals would then qualify for British Overseas Territory Citizen or Permanent Resident Certificate, if you see what I mean. That's a very, very important
1: one. So when, when those people, I, I know you say you don't want to, you, you're the person answering the question, but I, I see this more as sort of a, you, we are interlocutors here. So when, when that person applies for citizenship... TCI status? No, the, 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 the BOTC City. citizen, once right. they get that status, if they apply for citizenship of Turks and Caicos Islands do they get some preference? Do they get preference?
0: I want to be clear. You mean if there is a British
1: overseas overseas territory citizen? And that person applied for TCI citizenship? Well, it would not be a matter
0: of preference. And again, I like the changes that governments are proposing, and I've often referred to it as placing a valve on the number of citizens that would flow in the country each year. And so there are those criteria that is established and there will be a quota system, which in my view is very important. The number has not been announced, but take like the past several years, we've had a backlog of over 300 applications. And uh, a lot of that because the previous administration just did not attend to them. And, uh, well, this administration has had to answer it, but a small percentage of that was granted. And you may know that there were those who, some of those whose applications were denied, they are filing judicial reviews on them. I don't know, I haven't <laughs> followed quite yet, but what is the outcome. You smile, and I certainly would likewise, because uh, many of them are acting as if it's a right, when it's really a privilege. But anyway, you can express your views or concern on it.
1: No, because I, I don't. I don't understand the whole process. To be honest with you, I, I have, I, as you say, so many times on issue. I have more questions than answers in that regard. But I, I think it's it's it's. It just just doesn't make much sense to me that there is a process, and then it comes to that process and the application is denied, and then there is some appealed process where one person then decides, well, I'm going to overrule what the... I'm going to just disregard the process basically well
0: um, my own understanding of the law in that regard with a judicial review it cannot really overrule as such the decision that the status commission has made what a judicial uh review would do is to see if the process that has been established was followed something like years ago we had certain members of the community sought judicial review when the government increased the height limit for hotels that went to court because a part of the contention of those persons were that there was not sufficient consultation and the court did rule in their favor that there was not sufficient consultation so government had to step back a, a little bit and go back to the public and consult. But what the court c- could not do, and is outside of their remit, they couldn't tell the government, you can't increase the height limit. And so in a similar manner, I don't expect any court to tell the government, you must grant this to Jane, Jack, or Harry. But what they can and perhaps would do is to say, looking at the guidelines that you have established, the criteria that you have established, you have not followed them. I would suggest you go back and review them. And just for information, the boards are pointed for a specific period. So, for instance, the board that made that decision will not be the board that it needs be would review that if there's a court ruling in the future, it would be a different board.
1: So when you say judicial review, that go to the court system? That's right. That's oh. right. Okay. That's it.
0: Well at this moment we're going to take a slight break and I'm going to ask my uh, technical operator to pull up a lovely song since uh, we were talking quite a bit about members of the diaspora And uh, the government has been inviting many of them to come back home, and I joined that chorus. So here is Sweet Emily's Come come Back back Home. Yes, that's a real beautiful song, and um, it says exactly what I want to say Um, uh, to members of the diaspora, those I know all will not come back, and I don't expect that. Many have roots so firmly planted, there's no way they will uproot. But there are those who can come back and help to build this country and make it strong, and I certainly welcome you. And I challenge those of us who are here that we should embrace them Because if you don't do that, in many ways you leave the door open for the British to do it the way they wish. And so we need to stand strong, support the government in terms of the changes that they are making in your interests, and welcome back our brothers and sisters from abroad. Having said that, and the fact that yesterday we just celebrated Emancipation Day. I noticed you in the audience, likewise Professor Lee Ingham. What do you thought of the celebrations we had here?
1: Well, I I thought the celebration was was worthy. Uh, I... I, I, You you see, I... uh, As I sat there and I heard... uh, former Premier, former Chief Minister Taylor read the proclamation, and I listened to uh, Derek Beans, my cousin by the way, uh, talk about Mary Prince. I, I think, I thought about the education system, and I'll tell you a little story, just short, briefly. I had gone through undergraduate, graduate school and everything, and I I know I had, I I have done a lot of study and research in African-American history, in slavery, and I read quite a bit about your favorite person, Marcus Garvey. In fact, uh, you should know that I attended a lecture that was given by Amy Jacques Garvey, uh, Marcus Garvey's second wife. And she was the editor of his book, The Philosophy and Opinions of Marv- Marcus Garvey, so that was enlightening for me. But I w- had this, I think it had to be in about 2005 or 6 I'm sitting in my office, and my second daughter was uh, attending Central State at that time. And I think she was about a junior. And she came to my office and she said, Dad, I just read this uh, story about slavery in Turks and Caicos. I said, no. She Mm. said, yeah. And she she showed me her book. And here in this uh, collection of essays by Henry Louis, Professor Henry Louis Gates, was the story of Mary Prince. And of all my education, the first time I'm reading about slavery in the Turks and Caicos Islands, was in 2005 or six. And I said, wow. So my mind went back to that as I was listening to uh, Derek last night talk about that story. And immediately that I read it, and I said, wait, Mr. D? I said, that has to be Mr. Mm Darrell. And I knew of Mr. Darrell because Mr. Darrell had a store right there by close to where we were last night Right. I said Daryl had a store there and I said, That has to be that person. But I didn't catch on where she said that Captain I was Captain Ingham. Because in, in the in the short story, she she just gives the initial right of the people. And then it wasn't until recently that I saw that this was Ingham. And I'm wondering, is this person related to me biologically? Never or or did he it. or did he own my people trace your roots <laughs> yeah so so uh, that, that that was interesting to me but I think I think that the, the the thing last night was uh, it was okay i, I you know, it was good good celebration the the two young ladies who sang, They they some beautiful voices uh, but the, the the celebration itself to me needed to be more about uh where we were and where we are now from slavery to freedom so to speak And I think there could have been more emphasis on that. As you know,
0: as I shared that program, my mind also went across to Haiti, who is was the first black republic in the Western Hemisphere. And I often bemoan the fact of what they have become. And uh, despite the fact that we have traded with Haiti for over 100 years, and it has been beneficial both ways, now let's get that straight, because there are some people who feel as if we owe Haiti so much. I say not. In the context that, those who came here, they earned, in many ways, a decent living. And even if you look at the monies that are repatriated, the millions that leave this country every year, they are still benefiting. And even in terms of the trade that we had, quite often, or not quite often, we always had to play it by their rules, when in fact, here, they have so much freedom. I recall my dad, when he went to Haiti those days with his cargo of conks, he wasn't man enough to sell it to the highest bidder. He had to give it to a Haitian agent. <laughs> and that Haitian agent would sell that conch, purchase what goods he need, and give him whatever change there is that's left. Yeah. Um, but the the bigger picture is how sad it is when we see the situation that obtains in Haiti now with raping... Uh, Looting, burning places, burning of human beings in the street, lawless society. When we think of the hundreds who are coming by illegal vessels to Turks and Caicos, draining our treasury, costing us over six million dollars a year, Professor, with your good brain, yeah, I, I, I think, what suggestions do you have?
1: Well, you you, you made a point. Uh, last night at the celebration that I thought was very, very pertinent. And that is that if we have Haitians here who are Turks and Caicos Islanders, then they're Turks and Caicos Islanders, and we should stop dividing ourselves, Haitian Turks Islanders, and so forth. I think there has to be a way for us to be inclusive in that regard. And you're right in saying that it's tragic what is happening in Haiti, especially when we know historically that black people were always proud of Haiti because it fought the French and established its own uh, independence. And for those people who are interested, I would recommend a book that's called Black Jacobins. It was written by C. L. R. James from uh, Trinidad oh, that, yes. about uh, Haiti and so forth. And I mean, we read about Haiti, we read about Henry Christophe and Toussaint de but what it has become now is really, really, really tragic. And unfortunately, I think we should brace ourselves for another onslaught of illegal vessels and people coming. Uh, I don't think we can blame the people who are trying to get out and try to seek a better life for themselves and for their families. That's just... Human nature, nobody's going to want to stay somewhere where they can hardly live, where they can hardly breathe, can't find food for the children. That's going to happen. And other than the Dominican Republic, I guess we're the closest fair. And that's going to happen.
0: And well, I will tell you, <laughs> the Dominican Republic is almost cordon off the areas, and they have instituted very harsh measures against a lot of those illegalations.
1: And and in in our country, you know, we we know this collusion. We we know that those folks are not getting on the boat and say, "I'm going to Turks Island." That that's not that's not what it is. There there is collusion with people here and people there, where they're sending those folks here, exploiting people. You talk about human trafficking and so forth. I think something has to be done about that. And as we look at the world, we see it happening in the Mediterranean with folks leaving Africa trying to reach Europe and so forth. It's, it, it's, it's worldwide. You see people on the border, on the southern borders of the United States, folks coming from everywhere trying to enter the United States. Because that is the situation our world is in now. And unfortunately, uh, we, we, cannot, we cannot deal with that. We, we, we don't have the resources. And we have to try to protect what we have for our people who are here. And it's just a tragic situation. As for us, I think we have to do what's best for us. And as you said on your show, I heard you said on your show, the UN cannot dictate to us how we behave trying to protect ourselves. The UN does not give us any help, and we have to make sure that we protect those people who are here. And I'm very much supportive of that.
0: I note with interest that far away
1: Kenya and
0: Africa have agreed to intervene to the tune of sending a thousand policemen to maintain law and order if the United Nations under its auspices would organize such. Jamaica has pledged that it would uh, send some troops. The Bahamas has said the same. But while uh, the Secretary General tells countries not to repatriate illegal immigrants, he seems not to have had the, uh, b- the ability to exercise initiative to bring a multilateral force together. And I am of the view that is what it will take to stop the hemorrhaging of the situation in Haiti because they cannot solve it by themselves.
1: I, I agree. I think uh, the you know, one thing I'd notice about our country, this Turks and Kegas, it seems like we're always subscribing to dictates or at least uh, these things that come from the UN. You know, we say with the UN is this. <laughs> and I guess we, we are in some way obligated because of our relationship with the U.K. You're right. But but I, I don't think that we have to do what the U.N. says. I really don't believe that we have to. And if we didn't, what would be the result? I don't know. So the people who are in the positions where they make uh, the people who are in those positions, where they make decisions as to how we respond to the UN? They must have some idea of what might happen if we didn't do what the UN says. I'm not sure. But I don't see how we can do some things that are not in our favor.
0: Professor, it's rather hypocritical, and it speaks to this unequal relationship we have with the United Kingdom because when it's convenient to them they ignore certain things that the united nations would perform. but when it's in their interests they would insist that we do certain things that conform with what their policies are interestingly you talking about the displacement of people and illegal immigrants the prime minister of the uk had thought about sending asylum seekers to an African country to await the decision. But of course, the courts have ruled against it. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Now, if we were to attempt to do the same thing, I will bet they would put their feet down on it. That is the kind of hypocrisy that I speak of ever so often.
1: Well, uh, well, I guess I guess uh, you know, I guess there's a rebel streak in me, and this this has been while I was uh, at Central State University, I was uh, president of the American Association of University Professors, uh, our chapter there, and we had to take some decisions sometimes against the administration, and. We, we we decided that we were going to do it. We wasn't trying to hurt anybody or hurt students or hurt the institution, but there's some things that we had to do to confront. I'm not uh, comparing what we did there as to what this country has to do, but I believe that our leadership has to think about our relationship with the UK and how it is that we respond to certain demands that they place on us. And I don't know what kind of negotiations that would have to take place, but I think we have to somehow say, as uh, uh, Albert Camus says, you know, the slave, you know, you push him up against the wall. Even the slave says sometimes, you push me for, f- far enough. And I'm going to go but so far.
0: As you talk about your rebel streak, It reminds me, during the Rufus Ewing administration, being fed up at the length of the SIP trials and the drain it is on our treasury, decided that he would not, in the budget, appropriate funds for the payment. But guess what happened? The governor and his reserve powers just wrote in, has to be done, and it was done. I am not saying that we must not test the waters, you know, and I agree with you. Sometimes it is necessary to to exercise that rebel streak, but very often it ends up as maybe no more than a political gimmick, so to speak, in our context.
1: I don't think I don't think we should take it as as a political gimmick, though. I think uh, this is his way. This was that was his way of saying, you know. I don't agree with this, and I'm not going to do it. Now, you do it, but at at the same time, I think when things like that happen, we have to come to the people and make the people understand that this is what I'm doing, and here are the reasons why I'm doing it. And sometimes I think we do things in our country, and we don't come to the people and explain to the people what it is that we're doing and why it is that we're doing it. Because if it's for our benefit, I'm sure you'll get the support of the people. And if that, if, he, if that is his prerogative, let him or her use it. But I think we sometimes have to take stands and say, you've pushed me far enough, I'm not going to move from here.
0: Well, at this stage, I want to say good morning to Jonathan, uh, to Mavis, to good morning this morning, to Fuggy and to Mr. Kennedy, some of our regular callers. I know one of you itching to say that we use them all the time among ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) So before you do that, I'm going to open the phone lines at this time and uh, allow you to call in, ask your questions, make your comments very briefly, and I'd love to see you do it rapid fire one after the other. Because too often you wait until the last few minutes. Because trust me now, I still have So many questions and comments to make, so it's up to you. I'm giving you opportunity, and apparently, someone was just waiting. Caller, go right ahead. This is Expressions the People's Show.
2: Hi, good morning, uh,
0: good morning,
2: and um, I'd like to say good morning to my cousin,
1: Professor
2: Ingo.
1: Who's this? If you're uh, Rita Gardner, ah, okay, Rita. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I just wanted to mention. I know you spoke about Global Force University, and um, during the 19, I think it was 1997, we were, we had a great relationship here in and Kickers with Global um, Force University, turn, and Patty sent to, some athletes
0: there. Whatever device you're using, if you would turn so, uh, down a bit, please, because There's quite a bit of uh, disturbing noise. Oh, you got some feedback? Yes.
2: Yeah, I was saying that um, we had a relationship with Wilberforce University. If um, Professor Ingram will remember, um, I think we sent some athletes over there like Kelsey Brooks and some others that he remembered. In fact, one of the professors came down and um, we were working together. I'm just sorry that You know, it didn't continue
1: on. Yes, Ms. Rita, I remember that very well, because uh, Kelsey and two Daniel boys. uh,
2: Yes, yes.
1: Levada, Levada,
2: Miss That was during my time um, as president of Athletic Association, and I was working with this company, and we were working with the government and the company, and we had a great relationship with um, Wilberforce University.
0: Thank you very much for that comment, my dear. You're welcome. Of course, if you have any other questions or comments, do feel free to call back. The number to call is one 900 You may text me at 244 I have a first text for the morning, and it says, Good morning, Mr. Ingham. That is what <laughs> should happen. But some of them feel as if they're entitled with their bossy attitude. I don't know if you're referring to the Haitians, the British, or who. But anyway, well, it should, I don't think it would be too relevant to the British. But anyway, if you care to um, the person who texts me, you can certainly clarify who you're referring to. But anyway, that's the text there. The number to call is one nine hundred twenty-two twenty-two zero zero seven. 7 This is your opportunity to engage in what I regard as a very worthwhile discussion on the affairs of these islands. Getting back on the home scene, um, Professor Lee Ingham, I noticed that the leader of the opposition in one of the press conferences, he is now championing the cause of political independence for the Turks and Caicos. But before we get to that, he also suggested that we should do away with the nominated membership in the House. I know that's up your alley. <laughs> I disagree. We could have a debate on that. Uh, but then he goes further to support the idea that we should go back to single-member constituencies and Sol Key should have its own representative and Middle Caicos should have its own representative. That's an airful, what's your take?
1: I think that the the, the, uh, the leader of the opposition probably been listening to me, because <laughs> uh, I l- l- well see here is why do we have nominated members in the House of Assembly, for what reason? Well, the reason that is given
0: or oh, is that they are supposed to have certain shades of opinions that does not obtain in the House, in other words, on the two parties, they should come with something different. I mean, I'm not suggesting that they do, but that's uh, what is expected.
1: So so what difference would they make if they come with different shades?
0: Well, I suppose it adds to the discussion, gives a different view on the subject, so when a decision is made... Um, the various aspects to the particular matter, problem, whether it's legal or whatever, might have been taken into consideration. And mind you now, in a limited form, sometimes that happens. Because I would notice, for instance, a number of things that the governor's nominated member would sort of pay attention to, many of the other members may not. And I remember that, too, in the past with John Phillips. Well, a lot has to happen, I guess, depending on your background, you know. Mm -hmm. And the same can be said of the governor's nominated member number two, Mr. Charles, uh, in some of his pleas. Of course, many would attack him because it would appear at times as if a lot, a great deal of his interest is naturally with the the, the Haitian
1: uh, diaspora. You know, I, and that's why I said, you know, we we need to broaden our scope at the community college because I think we need people to go and study political science and learn something with politics. And I'm not saying that everything is studying this because there's some. Uh, Experiences that people have, some existential experiences that they have where they talk about things. But legislatures in democracies, for the most part, as I understand it, are where people come to the legislature representing the people. That is, they are elected by the people. And the only recourse the people have is if you go to the legislature and you don't represent me as I think you should, then I have the right to remove you by not voting for you the next time you come around. The nominated members are obligated to no one other than the people who place them in the House of Assembly. They can go there and say and do what they want, not that they will do it. But how do you tell somebody, well, you're not doing what we want you to do, therefore we're not going to send you back. And I feel the same way about the, the and let me be, be careful about this, because when I say this, I'm talking about the position, I'm not talking about the person. The same, I feel the same way about the Attorney General. The Attorney General should not be in the House of Assembly. The attorney general is there is to represent the government. Now, if the attorney general is going to help in drafting laws and so forth, when those people come to the House of Assembly, they should know what is in that law. And they should debate it among themselves. We'll get back to that. We have a
0: caller, okay. so let's take it in the meantime. Caller, we'll go right ahead. Well, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Hall.
3: Good morning, and good morning, to your dear guests, particularly in. Good morning, sir. Welcome home, and I uh, hope you stay be enjoyable state. Mr. Hall, there's something I want to address with you. I I, I think, as a takes me from my perspective, I hope you spoke about the opposition on numerous times and what his ideas is, Mr. Hall. But I think I think, it, it, in some ways, you just say politics. But here's the point, Mr. Hall. Why don't you write the opposition of this country on your show so he can explain to the communities of the Turks and Caicos Islands what his ideas is. You seem to be as a mouth spoken for him. Why are on his show? Mr. Say,
0: Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy, yes. Yes. even if you listened to my last program, I said there is an open door for the leader of opposition. I said that about the nominated member on the opposition side. And listen, sir, as the host of a show, I have the latitude to discuss what government does and on balance, because the opposition is your government in waiting or supposed to be. Why not scrutinize them? So if a certain pronouncement is made, like those that I have mentioned, I am within all rights to do so for the public's benefit because constantly I am looking at what government is doing or not doing. And sometimes I come under fire. <laughs>
3: your point is well taken. Okay, well. good.
0: Okay.
3: You your point is well taken. Can I say something to you? Anytime. Here's name, you you are serving a community of pigs and cakes and from Tokyo down to West Cakers, right? Okay, here's the point. I make a deal. I heard you say as well that the Honorable also Skelter the asked to come and show. It just seems so Invite like the opposition. I never heard you say that there's it's an open invitation. I never heard that part. But here's the point. Make it, make it, it's not right now. To the honorable officers, there's an open door for you to come on expressions and explain to the communities of the children of the Kegel Island what your wish what your dream is. That's what I'm saying to you, of all. Make, instead of saying words now, there's an so open door to you, so to the honorable of the Kegel Island, that you can come on expressions and you give, give should be a timetable when, 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 when he's coming to let you know to explain whatever your wishing is for the communities of the St. Gregg's Island. Would now, you would
0: you like that. would you like to host expressions for fifteen minutes? No.
3: <laughs> good good
0: answer, good answer. <laughs> I can speak <laughs> I have
3: to say to you, I can speak to you in the turntable that I have right now. And speaking to you now so I said that's a Islands I was what I think I think that in this country. If he, you you suffering terms of inflation, Mr. but you play so much of politics. That's what the problem is. If you've got, got an issue, say now to the honorable opposition, there's an open door for you to come and express, himself, and express yourself to him. Thank you.
0: Mr. Thank Mr. you, you very, very much. Man. You have said it on my behalf. Thank you. Good morning, <laughs> You have a great
1: day. Good, good, good. Yes, sir. I hope you enjoy your stay. Good morning. Yes. Enjoy my stay. Thank you. When
0: I was a kid in school, I used to recite what my teachers taught me, but I no longer recite my brother. Anyway, the leader of the opposition knows me quite well. He knows the conversations we have had, and that doesn't go just for him because there are ministers in the government and with due respect, the leader of the opposition has been on this show. But there are ministers in the government who have not been here. I'm not saying this is the most important, you know, uh, show in town, as the case might be. But the door is always open, all right? <laughs> anyway, the number to call is 1-900-2222-007. But, but the Hall,
1: uh, g- getting back to what uh, we are talking about with the... You, what you're reporting about the, what the the opposition said. I, I, think, I think those are all good ideas. To be honest with you, I don't know why we have five all-island candidates and then ten constituency candidates. I don't know why that is the case. Is it don't seem to me to be any significant difference that exists between the constituency candidates and the all-island candidates, except that one is running nationally can get votes anywhere, the other one gets votes in the constituency. I believe that the legislature ought to be made up of representatives, and I think every island should have at least one representative—Salky, Middle Cakers, South Caicos, North Caicos, Grand Turk, and Prado. Now, if you want to then say, well, we have uh, so many people you want to say that, we're going to divide the island of Grand Turk up into constituencies? Fine. But,
0: um, but um, Professor Lee, it can be argued even now mm-hmm. that each island has one representative. But mm-hmm. in this case, one plus five. And let me break it down this way. For instance, the representative for Salt Key mm-hmm. is the Honorable Leader of the Opposition, Honorable Edward Aswood. So Salt Key does have a single representative. The only thing, of course, is Salky's appendage to Grand Turk. And just before I came on the show, I tried to ascertain the number of voters in Salky. And it has dwindled to around about 20. Now, frankly, people can take it out of wish. to me it makes no sense to have Salky as a single constituency electing a representative. It doesn't make sense.
1: Okay, well, Neither
0: does it make dollars. Okay. Similarly, in my view, mm-hmm. Middle Caicos, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and if I had political inclinations again, I would have returned there to run. Mm-hmm. They may have about 80 or so votes, again, and Middle is appendage to North Caicos. So the Honorable Chuck Musgrove is the representative for Middle Caicos while being the representative for North and I, as a proud son of Middle Caicos and a representative at the time when it used to be 300 and odd and so on and so on, now it's dwindled down to about 80 or thereabout,
1: I, I can't see the justification, quite frankly. Well, see, well, I'll, go back. I'll go back to uh, your nominated members. Now, you tell me now, you have Salkey with 20 voters, and you say that you can't see... Justification for that. Who does the nominated member represent?
0: The nominated member doesn't represent any particular group, none whatsoever. They can champion the cause of any island, any group, as the case might be. Now, mind you, I'm not hung up so much on the nominated member thing. The only Reasons that I would advance for retaining it is this. Many Commonwealth countries have a bicameral house. One is elected, one is appointed. In the case of Jamaica, Bahamas, Barbados, and many others, um, a House of Assembly or whatever, or House of Representatives and a Senate. In a way, our Nominated members, for me, it's like an inbuilt Senate in the sense that one is nominated by the governing side, one by the opposition. Of course, I strongly disagree with a governor having two nominees. I don't believe you should have any whatsoever, but I see it serving like that inbuilt Senate as we have a unicameral house until such time, if we decide we're moving in that direction. And additionally, particularly since your argument is that the Attorney General ought not, and of course not the person, you're talking about the position, ought not be a member of the House, it is important that there is that legal presence. At the moment, you do have, I think, one elected member who is a lawyer, but it is possible to have a house without one. We've had that in the past. Yes, we did function, but there are certain advantages, in my view, of having such legal representation. And hence... Through the nominated membership, if it should turn out you do not have such legal representation in there, then you may nominate someone who is a lawyer. Something like has obtained in various countries and I'm very familiar with the situation in Jamaica and the Bahamas, where even now the Attorney General is a nominated member as a member chosen from the Senate. And I recall in Jamaica, Dr. Lloyd Barnett, years ago, Tony general was again from the Senate. And, and in our case, just like how Dr. Carlton Mills, an educator, was a nominated member and became Minister of Education, there is advantage, in a way, depending on the outcome of elections, to have the exp- uh, that possibility that you could bring in certain expertise that may not be available in there. And those are the arguments. But like I said, but I, am not, I would lose no sleepless nights if the nominated membership were dispensed with. But th- those are my arguments.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think the nominated members ought to be disp- dispensed with. I, did, I, I see no, no reason, no necessary reason why they ought to be there at all. And I, when I, when I, you talk about Salki does have a single representative, yes, I agree. Salke should have its representative. South Baxta, South Grand Turk should have its representative, if that's the way they want to divide it up. North Grand Turk should have its representative. Middle Cakers should have its own representative, not tied to to uh, North Cakers, as far as I'm concerned. Because we're paying for four people already who are not representative of the people. They are representative of their political party or of the governor. If you take those same four positions and place one in Key, one in Middle Caicos, and then you still have two to play with, to make it expand, expand the, the franchise in that way, expand the representation in that way. I, I see no reason, and I don't know why we want to keep something like that, and that we would have a uh, cons- uh, constitution consultancy and not consider that, but consider other things. I think that's the reason why a consultancy on the constitution needs to be had so people can talk about these things and so there'll be some representation of the people, not of the politicians.
0: Well, um, Professor Lee, that is something I'm always knocking on the public's door about, like even today on the show. Now, here's a very, very important matter that we're discussing. How many members of the public, uh, they may be listening, but are prepared to give their views? And that's the problem we have here in Turks and Caicos. Even when you have these public consultations, whatever they are, constitutional, what have you, a handful. And so when those consultants go back, they say, Well, listen, Grand Turk, with 5,600 persons, had an attendance of 40. Providencia, with a population of 26,000, had uh, an attendance of 150. Uh, That's not representative of the public view, and then they they may very well give their own views at the end of the day. Anyhow, but what I am saying, that we, the public, refuse to participate in significant numbers to let our voices be heard. And uh, that is sad, and we need to change that attitude. I,
1: I, I think I think I see your point because I know I attended a couple of meetings here. Uh, I think on the constitution, and I was surprised about the turnout. But I, I think I think it has to do with, with education. I really think it has to do with education because when you have political rallies, you see people coming out, and there's not there's not a much of attention by the politician trying to encourage our people to go to the to these things. Because but, when, it, when it's time for them to come and ask you for your vote, they have all kinds of rallies. Well, they should have rallies to say, go out, come on, let's go out, let's go out to this thing. Because sometimes I think our politicians, they, 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 they know how our people are. So they say, well, you know, we're going to do what we have to do. And I'm not
0: sure know. it's really about education and the context that, if you check the average attendance to a number of forum, forum you would find that the half a dozen people in Salkee will show up. You'll find that a dozen and a half in Middle Caicos will show up. You will find that North Caicos tend to show up proportionally more than anywhere else, North and South. But anyway, we have a caller. caller go right ahead. Well, we've lost that one. But while waiting on that person to call back, uh, there's a text that came in somewhat supporting your views. And this person says, I always feel that it's right for each island to have its own representative. Once persons are living on that island, do away with the all island candidates. So in other words, if there are six persons, give them a representative, eh? Oh, I see. Okay, that's a view. Caller, if you're there, go right
4: ahead. Uh, greetings to you, Mr. Hall, and to Professor Lee, and all in the wonderful grace of our great God and King Jesus Christ. I had to laugh, not actually laugh, smile twice at the beginning of your program when you made mention about uh, uh, changing the the uh schedule for the Monday morning to Monday evening, and yet well, in your response to that or whatever, I had to smile. Um, uh, how how you don't how. As old as you are, you seem so. You don't know our uh, people as yet, and I, I find myself on these last two occasions uh, 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 dropping sleep, listening to an expression on, on on Monday, on Monday, uh, on Monday night after I don't have dinner and relax, and I guess I get sleep. But anyway, uh, it, it is so wonderful to hear that you have uh, Professor Lee as your guest gracing us, which is. Uh, Words of wisdom, all that kind of good stuff. Welcome back, Professor Lee, and good to hear you. I had to actually laugh uh, when when you, when you start to before you mention my name. I figured you were you you were, you were talking about me, but my view that view that view I share uh, with, with, with people in the diaspora uh, being able to vote. Uh, the majority of people in this country feel that same way too, but they, they just don't have the courage to, to, to call in and to express that, but not only, not only me uh, feel that way. Like example, I would just say this. You see like the interest you just be shown in, in, in the country by even though you be in a way you just be calling for expression and, and, and giving your valuable opinions and stuff like that. Uh, versus many others who who over there and about and they don't do nothing, uh, and how you come home frequently. Yeah, I, I honestly believe people like yourself. Yeah, we could we could consider uh, 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 g- giving, giving you the rights to to vote in our election. Yeah, all all in laws when I say that. But uh, uh, the uh, on the other hand, you know, you gotta be here for a while to you know to experience the trouble we go through. In order to vote, because you can just come here and just vote and then just go back and don't feel, don't feel none of the heavy as we catch them. So uh, I hope that before you go back, you would uh, come for one of these weekend and, and worship with your brethren. Thanks, man, and always uh, uh, great hearing you when you're calling and now that you're as, you as a guest on the show. It's good to hear you. Thanks, man, and bye.
0: Well, thanks very much, and I'll allow uh, Professor Lee to make his own response.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Uh, As I said, I I remember you, and uh, I'm not sure that I'll be able to make it this time. uh, But when I come back again, I'll try to stop by and come and visit the Native Man's uh, Service. Uh, But I I think I don't think any of us are saying that this should be just a blanket uh, opportunity for people to just vote because you're Turks Island, you get to vote abroad. We're not saying that. I think there ought to be some kind of requirements. And I think most people who are trying to push this are saying that there, there ought to be some way that we can work something out. And to be honest with you, I think uh, the, the politicians or the government or whoever it is should want to embrace something like that because that, in a sense, talking about the, uh, expanding the franchise and so forth, that's one way to counteract it, I think.
0: All right, here are two comments, one uh, clarifying what was said earlier on. When the person said, good morning, Mr. Ingham, it, that is what should happen. But some of them feel as if they are entitled with their bossy attitude. The person is referring to a lot of the Haitians because they will say things like, this is God's land, and I have more rights than you. Um, that, of course, is rather aggravating. I'll take the next call now, and then the person goes on to uh, make a statement, really, to Mr. McKennedy. It seems if you lack understanding, how much more do you want Mr. Hall to invite them? (laughs) Anyway, somebody seemed to be coming to my defence. Say, but no problem. I can defend myself fairly well. You know, I defend my wicked pretty good. Um, Caller, if you're there, please go right ahead. Good morning, caller. This is Expressions, the People's Programme. I'm just hearing a little beep in the background. Good morning. Well, apparently we've lost you to try again. We're coming right down to the last 15 minutes of the show. I would appreciate as many calls as possible. Of course, I always have more questions, but um, I would give preference to your questions and your comments. The number to call is one 900 7 I guess that person is trying again. Um, uh, let's see.
3: Good morning again, Mr. Hall.
0: Good morning, good morning. Mr.
3: Hall, I want to make two points to you. Yes. First of all, I want you to know that my opinion is my opinion as never Kennedy. <coughs> Regardless of what I, do, I think about it, it doesn't matter. But it's my point to you, Mr. So, Hall. Providing that the opposition of the Takes and Cakes Islands, Mr. Hall, have any views that pertaining to the future. Of the Turks and kickers Islands and the community that he served. so he should have that uh, that opportunity to come on expressions and express it to the communities of the Turks and kickers Islands. I think you will you you will go along with that. I think you will because I think you're that intelligent. So Providing But I, I I have never heard it said once that that you gave him that open opportunity. Now, if you have said it. And I didn't hear you, I'll give you I apologize to you. Thank but you. Thank you for you now, the apology. Yes. Okay, I'm but I'm saying to you now and I heard made this statement that he has an open opportunity. But there should be a timetable that you give him that what time he come expressions and explain his views and his vision for the communities that he served, from Falky to Raskick's. Good morning to Mr. Hall.
0: Morning to you, and let me finally put that baby to sleep. As host of expressions, if there was any effort to deny the leader of the opposition the right to come on this show, I would leave the next day. Believe you me. Now, I am not suggesting that there is any effort in such direction, Absolutely not. And so if I put it another way around, and he knows that. He has said that he will come on the a given time. I have said many times, give management a week's notice so that we can organize because we don't want the conflict, say he and another minister or the premier or somebody sort of ducking for the same time, then I'm being accused of favoritism or what have you, but it's a wide open door policy. We have a caller. A caller, go right ahead.
5: Yes, well, i um try again. Thanks for taking call again. Yes, I'm my, I'm Derek. Um I call to to say that I'm watching the show and um, I'm thankful for the wisdom that's been imparted by yourself and Professor Lee. But I just want to speak to to three little I came up in the discussion this morning and um I want to first of all I'm professor Lee for his his constant support and his constant agitating for diaspora involvement in the in the TCI. i'm a I'm a fan of of the diaspora and, and, and strategically I've said it in several forums that diaspora is is, is, is tied to dr Gage's success in the medium to long term and it, it's important that we we seek to to find our bloodlines it's important that we seek to find and network with persons from these islands who are Turks and Caicos, and like, like I am. Secondly, I'd like to, to, to speak to the issue I think Professor Lee brought up about us and the United Nations um, seemingly forcing um, initiatives on us. I know from time to time as Director of Immigration, we had received um, guidance notes from the UNHCR, as, as it relates to present, um, who are seeking refuge because of circumstances um, in their, their homeland. Now, they are not notes that suggest that you must um, adopt um, their their perspective or their recommendations, but they're they're guiding you or, or states um, as to to ensuring that if it's possible that they, that they adhere to obviously the, the the rules or the laws of a particular state. And, and I'm recalling the, the recent situation with, with Venezuela. The Turks and Caicos government took a position early um, to allow Venezuelans to remain here while the country is going through the turmoil. But later on, the government took a position um, triggered by another country and decided to place the Venezuelans on the established of the Turks and Caicos and made them, not established, sorry, made them a visa requiring um nation um subsequent to, to UN guidance notes. But um that's for for sort of public clarification. It's, it's not directives. It's it's notes to to guide the decision making of the member state, which instruction takers would be indirectly through the UK. And and, and thirdly, um I, I want to speak to the fact that Turks and Caicos Islands um, has, has been a a country that has over the years exported much of its, its people, and um, it is necessary that we, we, we find the, the, the houses, e.g., as, as Mr., uh, Professor Lee mentioned. That we, we, we we seek to to buy more into the opportunities that exist with diaspora um, the the, the, the world um, over the years has has, has, has somewhat left the trust the, the um daily um, vocabulary but but I'm suggesting that that as the government has taken this on as a as a main priority. Right, that we seek to to become more involved in the discussions surrounding diaspora and 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 garner from it the, the opportunities that 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 exist, and, and and also reach out to to Turks and Cakers through our our bloodline, right, and ensuring that that they they seek trucks and Cakers as being their their second or their first home. Thank you, sir.
0: Well, thank you very much. Let me just read this text that came in very quickly, and this person texted to say, "Mr. Kennedy really missed a lot of shows because you always welcome the opposition on the show. He was there once before, and I agree with the professor. Those small island communities should have their own MP." The number to call is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. Or you may text me, 244-7332. It's funny how time slips away. We just have another seven minutes to go, so let's make use of it. We have another caller. Caller, go right ahead.
6: Um, yes, good morning, Mr. Hall. Good morning, Professor Ingram. Hope you're all doing great today. Um. Sorry I kind of missed a lot of the show, but I caught a little piece. And I just wanted to express some quick views concerning... Um indigenous toxin and Cacus islander, this thing about voting because i heard a little bit of peace that um i believe mr jonathan gardner was speaking of and i would say that a lot of what what should happen here is in toxin and Cacus, they should define indigenous toxin and Cacus islander, and i think they should define it as if your father is an indigenous toxin kicker Islander, then that makes the child an indigenous Tux and Islander. And I think that would help concern even voting that only, that only indigenous Tux and Islanders should be allowed to vote. And I think that would help.
0: That's my contribution. Oh, thanks very much. Appreciate your call. Um, I'm just going to read this other text, and then after that, Professor Lee, if you want to chime in while waiting on the calls, then feel free to do so. And this person texts in, um, boy, you got some people got my back, eh? Said, Honorable Hall, I listen to your show whenever it's on, and you are fair when it comes to inviting various persons on. Well, thank you very much. I, of course, try to be as fair as I possibly can. But I fully understand, because of my history of involvement with the PNP over the years, no matter how fair I try to be, uh, I would always be viewed as if I am, you know, uh, more in support of. That's life. And I, I, I'll just roll with that. The number to call is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. We have another call. Caller, go right ahead. Yes, caller. Turn the, turn the radio down, though, or whatever it is in the back we have lost you, do call back. Professor Lee Ingham, any comments?
1: No, I I just want to say that I I think there's a lot of opportunity for people at home here here in uh, Turks and Caicos and those people in the diaspora to work uh, together and I can think about some ways in which I know that that can occur but I think the important point to remember here is that We're not fighting here at cross purposes, we're trying, all of us, those of us in the diaspora who are concerned about Turks and Caicos, I think we make that known in various different ways. And I think we can take advantage, those of us here in Turks and Caicos Island can take advantage of some of those linkages with people in, for instance, Florida, Uh, I I can think now about. uh, medical referrals and so forth, where well, we have people in South Florida who can work or who will work with folks here with NHIP or whatever it is. And I think specifically about people like Mr. Lou Clinton, who has all kinds of connections in South Florida, who can make arrangements for our people when they come out there for medical help, because I know of situations where someone was sent to Florida, with nothing. I mean, they have no way of getting to the doctor's office. On, sec- on second,
0: Professor. Yeah, sorry, so let's just take this call
1: and then continue. Okay. Um, please uh, turn
0: down whatever device that's echoing. Caller, go right ahead. Mr. Hall, the
3: Point, you have made an open invitation to the Honorable Opposition, Mr. Eddie Oswin, that there's an open opportunity to come on expressions. Yes, and this should be a timetable. That is, yes, they will be available. Okay, so that's
0: here is the thing. Mr. Kennedy, all right, I don't yeah. want to cut you off, but no, let, saying, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm let, I'm on. let me explain this. Hold on, hold on. Don't belabor the point. I said give a week's notice. So, for I mean, instance, just, if, well, the, here, if the... Listen, you can't, you can't can over-talk talk. me. You can never over-talk me. All right? Hold on. Hold on. I don't, want
3: to communicate.
0: I, I, I don't want to be like Judge Judy, you know. I don't want to be like Judge Judy. All right? Yeah, I'm yeah, cool with yeah, you, yeah, but yeah, yeah. don't yeah, over-talk me, sir.
3: Would you listen, you a, minute? You you listen a
0: minute? You just listen a minute, sir.
3: you be Hall. Well, now, here's the point. My point. You make make your,
0: your point is weak, man. Your point is weak. Because no, I've, not I've not gone me. over okay. so, this over and over and over. And I'll it's to up point, to right? the opposition. The make, if he I calls mean. me today, all right? Yes. Today is Wednesday. If he calls yes. me today and there's no house meeting on Monday, I will host him. All right? So now if you want okay. to, call him when you finish.
3: Thank you. You made that clear. Bye. That's my point, you my point, too. You made it in my fashion with my ass open and I hear it. Here's the point. Regardless of those people who have your back, I have the same constitutional rights that you and them have to express my opinion. As an so indigenous, I don't know, which means from 1949, okay? So good morning
0: to you. My father born here. My grandfather born here. <laughs> don't let me sing a little more for you, my friend. <laughs> Anyway, this is certainly expressions. You can say that again. (laughs) I must be one of the most tolerant hosts anywhere around. Anyway, we're getting right down to the end of the show. Just two minutes to go. If there's anyone else who wants to call or chime in, just do it now. Otherwise, I'm going to ask Professor Lee uh, to wrap it all up, and I'll say my final or closing words. For the day. Just let me check my text to see if anything came in since that. And uh, if there be no calls, then you know what we will do next. All right. Uh, this person just saves me in the nick of time. And it says, uh, good morning, Honorable Hall. Great show as always. I think for the islands of Salky and Middle Cakers should decide for themselves if they want someone outside the island to represent them. All right. That's what that person says. And. Uh, wow. This is very, very good. It shows again, you know. You'd be surprised who listening sometime. <laughs> this one coming in from the Minister of Home Affairs. General Otis Morris. Good morning, Honorable. Boy, I don't know. Uh, emancipation thing yesterday must have put a little fire in you. <laughs> anyway, the Honorable Minister I'll be able to do expressions on Wednesday the 9th after I finish the Islander Status Consultation, which is tomorrow in Providenciales, Friday in North Caicos and MC and on Monday 7th in Grand Turk. So he would like to come on on the ninth. You see, that's what I'm talking about. Good notice. So I got mark that down. And if the house doesn't meet or one is a committee, and I ain't thinking but no hurricane or nothing right now doing the season. Nothing should stop that show. Alright? And so now others of you all you gotta do line up and give the notice. Whether you're opposition, whether you're government, you could be private citizen if you want to come on this show. Mr. Kennedy, if you want to be my guest for a little while, call me. You might not want to sit and look at my face. You rather call. <laughs> anyway, just teasing you, brother. Don't take me too, too seriously in that regard. Anyway, we're out of time. Professor Lee, your closing comments.
1: Yeah, brother Hall, it's been a good two hours. As I say, time runs away from us when you're having fun, and this has been a very good experience. Always enjoy coming home and having an interlocked, come uh, someone like you is always good because I can say some things that I want to say and talk about issues that I think are important for our country. I, I just wish that there would be more of this, to be honest with you, because I think our people, uh, they, they need to hear those things. Uh, we, we don't have much of uh, shows like this where people can hear different views and tune into them and maybe voice their opposition or voice their agreement with it. And I think that is important for a democracy such as ours. And hopefully they will take this and get our politicians to get on this show more frequently and talk to the people because this press conference and so forth, I don't think that's good enough for our people. They need to come here and let the people hear them and talk with them about issues that are confronting our country.
0: Well, thank you very much. And I'll just run through these two texts. Um, and this person says, ex- uh, and in your defense, you're always extending an invitation to all, including the opposition. And um, my good, good friend up there in New Jersey, uh, Gina Stiles, she says, beautiful show as usual. Uh, thank you ever so much uh, for that. And to all those uh, who have called in, I want to thank you very much. And others of you who may have just uh, sit back and listened to the show, thanks ever so much. Join me again on Friday, God's Beers Life, when we hope to have yet another very informative, educational, if not entertaining, expressions. Good day. Have a healthy lunch. God bless you.
6: we